Hi there, welcome. This is the Robert Bruton Podcast Show, and I'm your host, Robert Bruton. And today is a bonus episode. Uh, We're going to talk about a couple of things that are going on in the world, and we're not getting political or anything like that. So if you're uh, going, oh God, and more political, no, 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 we're not even going there. But we're going to talk about some cool stuff that actually I've written about before that I think will make good uh, a good episode today. So stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Give us 60 seconds. We'll see you right back here. Hi, thanks for sticking with us through that short 60 second break. And Thank you to all of our subscribers, and if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in today. I hope you find the episode uh, interesting and thought-provoking, and I hope it leaves you uh, thinking, because that's kind of my gig. So, I appreciate uh, all of your kind words that you guys send through the uh, different ways of, of reaching out to me, so thank you, thank you, thank you. And today, like I said in the introduction, uh, this is a bonus episode. This is not something that we uh, looked at as far as something that's content generated. Uh, it's something that's a little off the cuff, and I think it it adds some value to the show because it's things that are going on in this world. This really uh, is relevant, I think, and I think it'll resonate with everyone. So... Um, some time ago, I wrote a, uh, a story uh, about there's always a backstory. There's always, you know, if you're in an argument, for example, and you're in a relationship, there is quite literally going to be a backstory to that argument, okay? There's something that has happened to one or the other of you that's going to elevate that into an argument and so when you can stop before you argue which is easier said than done I get it but when you look at at what got one or the other of you to elevate your emotions what what is the root cause of that why did why did we get uber pissed about it. Well, chances are there's some backstory somewhere down the road where this was some sort of behavior that you went through with someone else or someone close in your life. And it just, you know, it's like, oh God, here we go again. Or uh, there's something that's just a, a one of a bajillion things it could be. But understanding what the backstory is, understanding before we get in a situation where it elevates, even if it's a work relationship. And, you know, you talk to someone and they get uber pissed about, you know, critiquing their work or um, saying, hey, I need you to do this. And they huff and puff about it. Well, what is the core reason of that? What is the problem there? And I think even in leadership and in business, you have to think about if someone gets curt with you or they get uh, just pissed off, you know, what's getting that person to that emotional level? You know, there's something that's that's making that occur. So finding out what it is uh, can really help 
come together and understand something, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, and I'll give you an example with my, my ex, she had some stuff, you know, in her life that was incredibly difficult for any human being to go through. And so there were many things that would or would and could trigger an emotion or trigger and, uh, you know, whether it was being mad, angry, sad, uh, didn't matter. But there was something that 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 got her to that place where it became very difficult for her and she became very difficult um, to be around. And, but when you understand what's happening, then that's when you can be uh, a real value to someone. You can, you can sit with them. You can you say, hey, 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 slow down, slow down, slow down. I got you. I know what's going on here. I got you. You know? And a lot of times people take out on the people they care the most, uh, sadly, <laughs> but it happens. You know, they take out those emotions on people that they love the most because that's a just an outlet for someone. And so learning the backstory, learning what it is that uh, makes a person who they are uh, can help in any relationship. Doesn't matter whether it's an intimate relationship or a professional relationship, a friendship. When you know something without, you know, some people, things are really personal. They don't want to share with you. I understand that. But if you can get to a root cause or a cause of something as a backstory and you understand, then a lot of times you're able to respond in a way that is nurturing and healing versus combative. So I think that we see so many things going on today where, where people are getting, uh, for example, you know, I, I opened the door for a young lady not long ago, and she was a little bit rude, in my opinion, okay, that she didn't need me to open the door. And I understand she didn't need me to open the door. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm certain that you can open the door. I was doing it out of kindness and uh, saying, hey, come on in, you know, just being jovial. And I did say, I asked, I said, let me ask you. I said, can I ask you a question just because I, I want to understand. I don't want to provoke a response like this from another young woman. And I said, because I was raised by a grandfather who would tell me I need to open doors for ladies, that that is a gentlemanly thing to do. So explain to me why you think that is, you know, um, a deal. And she didn't have the greatest of responses, but I allowed myself to understand and li listen to her. And I said, well... If I see you walking in the grocery store again, I, I promise I'll let the door shut in your face. And we laughed. And I said, I said, I meant no disrespect and, and actually was doing it because this is how I was raised. And the thing about it is, is, you know, you've got all these young people changing all these different ways about thinking about everything in life, you know. And so 
I want to understand the backstory to that. You know, I want to understand and I want them to understand that it was not something I was doing out of disrespect ever. You know, if a gentleman holds the door open for you or opens the car door for you, it's not that we don't think you can open the car door. You do it every day a million times a day. We're doing it to show you that, that you know, you matter. Opening a car door for a lady is, 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 you know, if you're opening it for your mom, well, you know, that's because you love your mom. If you're opening it for your girlfriend, that's because I love you and I want you to feel special, you know. That I, that I was gentlemanly enough to open your door. But I, you know, I want to understand as well, you know, other things. And it's just like with, uh, you know, all these different, uh, you know, I'm binary pronouns and things like that. Well, I want to understand that. I didn't grow up where, you know, in, in, in when I grew up, you were either a boy or a girl. Okay, um, and and I have friends who uh, are gay. I have, you know, male and female, and I work with people. You know, I have colleagues. I have uh, people I do business with. You know, and and it, I, for me, I just don't look at them any other way than that's my colleague. That's that's a. Uh, work person that's a, you know, it's because I, you know, your business is your business, just like my business is my business. But that doesn't mean I, I don't want to understand, you know, the struggles that you may be having. So again, I go back to backstory is I want to understand, you know, if you identify as he, him, you know, I I don't know how that's different than identifying as a man, you know, a young man, an older man, you know, what I mean, I, but I don't want to uh, piss somebody off because I didn't, you know, use the uh, proper pronoun. If this is something that's going to become the norm of the day, then I think it deserves some discourse, some in why you guys feel that way, okay? And and I'm not saying you have to tell me your personal life story, but give me a generality of what it is that that you know. Uh, uh, and I see I see especially uh, women who get just uber angry, and I'm like, okay, I you know I understand that you you want this way, but explain to me where you're at, you know, explain to me so I understand better and I can address you appropriately. I don't think that's asking too much of anyone, you know, and for me, I, you know, I don't really have a pronoun. I, I, I'm a guy, you know, but I, I guess if I, I was going to say something at, at, in my age bracket, I identify as a gentleman. I identify as a, as a guy, but I also identify as a gentleman or try, do my very best to be as gentlemanly as I can. And that has nothing to do with disrespecting someone who, you know, uh, 
by opening a car door or saying yes ma'am or no ma'am or you know addressing someone with respect i don't think that that uh uh that's a bad thing you know and it's certainly never intended as a bad thing so you know again we go back to backstory so if you're pushing a certain agenda if you will then I think at the end of the day, you really need to educate more than scream at. So if someone opens a door for you, and I've seen people lose their shit over a dude opening a door for a lady. Wait a minute. Say, you know, I, and I've had women tell me, it's okay, you don't have to open the door for me. Okay. And, and, and that be that. You know, I've never had anyone tell me, and I've had a couple people be a little bit rude about it, you know, and I'm like, you don't have to be rude. I don't have to open the door for you. I did it out of, you know, a gentlemanly respect for uh, a female and uh, has nothing to do whether I think you, you probably could whip my ass. But, you know, it doesn't matter. We're not in an arm wrestling competition. I don't think that you're weaker. I don't think you're a weaker sex. I know women who make way more money than I do. You know, I know women who are way more successful than I am. You know, I don't, it, it, I, I don't think that, that you're stymied because you're the weaker sex. Is there a glass ceiling that has to be broken through? Yeah, I think there's women doing it every day. And do I think that sucks if, you know, if a female CEO is, is not making the same as her counterparts? Absolutely. That's bullshit. And those women need to speak up loudly. And I'm an advocate for that. But I also know women who have broken that glass ceiling and who don't even see a glass ceiling and make gobs of money. Not that money is the, the end all, but if you're measuring some level of, of financial success, then yeah, I guess money is, the, is that. But I know a lot of women who are incredibly successful. I know a lot of women who don't necessarily make a lot of money, but they are uber successful in their life. I watch a, 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 a lady on Instagram and I just love her laugh. You know, she's a singer and, and, and a songwriter and, and, but you can just tell. I mean, you know, she doesn't live in some, you know, illustrious mansion, you know. I've seen her, you know, she does little videos of her, you know, putting on her makeup in her bathroom. She doesn't have some elaborate, elegant bathroom, you know. I've seen her sitting in her sink like girls do to put on their makeup, you know. And she, but she laughs and her laugh is genuine. That to me is success. Her smile is genuine. That's success. So when I talk about the money part of it, I, I don't... I, I, that's not the whole crux of it. So I would love to know her backstory. What makes her happy? And obviously what she does, her beautiful singing voice and her ability to write beautiful music is probably a big part of why she's happy. You know? And you know, her laugh and her smile 
you can tell when someone's genuine and you can tell when someone's putting on, especially in what I do. You know, there are times when you tell an actress or a model or someone, you know, do this, do that. And, you know, you can basically see that they're putting on, but she doesn't do that. She's not putting on her laughing smile are completely genuine and that's cool. So, you know, I think that success in this instance can, can range in a lot of ways. So I don't know, you know, and because you hear a lot of feminists and things like that and, and women who are advocating for, you know, women's rights and things like that, which is absolutely phenomenal. But here's the thing, whether you're, no matter what your ethnicity, no matter whether you're male, female, or whatever pronoun you identify with, here's the skinny. When you see a limitation, there's going to be a limitation. When you focus on something that's limiting, okay, and dangerously, you can focus on it long enough where it becomes your reality. So my thing in learning, you know, backstories and things is to find out if there's a limiting belief. Because if there's a limiting belief then everything's going to seem, you know, impossible. Everything, you know, and when people are tell you, oh my God, that's such a pipe dream. To you, maybe. To me, no. So people, you know, have different levels of where they are in their emotional stair step to whatever success they want to draw out of life. But I think when you, and I'm not say, suggesting you, you can't put a, or illuminate a problem. Hang on, guys, I'm going to come right back. I think I'm going to sneeze really bad and I don't want to do it in your ear. Yes, you are very lucky that I, <laughs> I stopped. I, I've been uh, getting over a little bit of a cold. No, I'm not. COVID again. I'm just uh, going through a cold and I had all that checked, so I'm good. But I did have to take some antibiotics and things like that, so I'm a little stuffy still. And uh, so anyway, you know, I, I do believe that you have to illuminate certain problems, but I also don't think that when you're illuminating these problems that you become yourself that same problem. You give yourself that limiting belief. You know, it's something where you have to not see. And I think this works well in, uh, for example, you know, women of sports. They don't see that, you know, maybe the person next to them that they're getting ready to run down the track. Uh, you know, you can't look at, you can say these are our equal counterparts, but I'm going to smoke them today. You know, I'm going to absolutely run faster, ski faster, uh, whatever support, sport you're playing, excuse me. Uh, they don't see a limiting, uh, oh, I'm never going to beat this person. No, I guarantee you, everyone that, uh, for the most part, that ever skied against like Lindsey Vaughn or Michaela Schifrin, you know, her competitors don't 
see, you know, yes, they are world-class athletes and they are very incredibly hard to beat, but they don't, they don't see themselves not being as good. They train hard. In fact, probably most girls that, that ski against them train as hard or harder than they do because they know that, that there's, no, there's no, you know, I have that ability to outski this person. And there are women who do it. Look at the, you know, in, in tennis, you know, the girls that, that, you know, Serena Williams and her sister were dominated. But they also lost. And several times they lost to people that were seated way down low. Or they were blown out in the first round. Because they were playing with someone who didn't see them as being someone who was superior to them. So, my whole point in all of this is don't become the limiting belief that you're fighting so desperate to make different. Know that you're going to win that battle, that there is no, you know, ceiling. Look at, there's, there's plenty of people out there. You know, this is what I, I you know, I, I'm, where it's hard for me, you know, to see where there's, sometimes division when you see successful people in in whether it's success in life success as a writer success as an artist um, success in business of all walks of life of all genders and I'm sitting here going, look at Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple. Apple's the largest corporation in the world. I think they were the first company to break a trillion dollars. And Tim Cook is openly gay. But so if you're fighting for gay rights, don't become someone who says, well, we can't get anywhere because I'm gay. You know, Tim Cook and others throughout the world, throughout corporate America, didn't see themselves as that as being a limiting deal, very obviously. Well, I'll never be the CEO of Apple. Steve's not going to pick me because I'm gay. No, Steve picked the best man for the job. didn't matter what obviously what his sexual orientation was doesn't matter for me I carry an iPhone I have an iPad you know I, I, I like Apple products and it doesn't you know I don't subscribe to a homosexual lifestyle but that doesn't preclude me from enjoying the products that Apple makes knowing full well that I'm sure there are hundreds if not thousands of gay workers within the Apple corporate environment which is uber cool I don't you know it doesn't because again if you know and it would be cool to be friends with Tim Cook because I think he's an amazing man but 
you know, you don't, and I wouldn't look at him. Well, this is my gay friend, Tim. You guys have heard me talk about this a little bit too. You know, my closest friend in the world is, is a black guy, Dennis. I don't introduce him as, well, this is my black friend, Dennis, you know. This is my African-American friend, Dennis. No. Dennis and I have been friends so long, we don't even... That, that's the furthest thing from mine or his deal. We're just pals, you know. And, uh, and that's where it is. He knows a lot of my backstory. I know a lot of his backstory. And we understand each other. And we've gotten along for years and years and years. And I love him to death. And I think he loves me to death as a friend too. So it's understanding where people come from, understanding their backstory will help immensely in understanding their position. And I think people don't do that enough to really understand each other so it does preclude them from hate. It does get them out of the way of putting some barrier there instead of lowering the fence because you don't understand what what got them there. And they're not explaining, not that people have to explain themselves, but I think if in a situation where there's two people coming from two backgrounds, then understanding each other, part of that is knowing each other. And when you know each other, and then all of a sudden you start seeing things where, wow, we have that in common. Wow, we do this. Wow, we enjoy the same movies. Wow, we drive the same car. We went to the same school. We had the same type of girlfriends or boyfriends. You know, it you start finding common threads. And guess what? It's hard to hate a friend. It's hard. So, maybe take some time to share a story when you're, you know, if if you have certain pronouns you want to be identified with, Share a little bit of your story of, of, of what, uh, why you think that's important in your life. Because I see so many people, and well, you know what, we're going to stop because it, it, this is basically the part one of, of, of this bonus and I want to talk about part two and I was just about to jump off in that and I don't want to get ahead of myself. So the takeaway, get someone's backstory. Share a little bit of your backstory and learn to find a commonality between each other. And I think that you'll find that life becomes a whole lot easier when you turn on the light. All right, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Okay, welcome back to part two. And I really want to talk about tolerance. And what I see 
out there because I think if you're going to really make a success, and and so I want to tell my regular listeners that I think if you're going to be, and you guys know when I talk about success, that means it could be just success in your life. It's not a business thing. It could be a business thing. It could be a life thing. It could be a relationship thing. It could be a parenting thing. But just general success. And I think if you're trying to change your life, which is a lot about what I write about, is I think that you have to have some tolerance and understanding. And what I see so much of, and I see on social media so very much, especially with young folks, young people, you guys are the future of this country. But when you can't even carry on a conversation between opposing viewpoints... That's not good. Because, again, how are you, if, if you were in a business situation, my challenge to you is, is if you were trying to sell me a new software product and you didn't even want to hear my, you know, my, uh, uh, my objections because they were counter to your objective, and you wouldn't even, because you cut me off, you won't listen, and basically act like I'm stupid, uh, we're probably not going to get very far. And you're probably not going to get very far in life unless you learn how to listen to an opposing view and listen to it intently and listen to it without reaction. You'll get an opportunity Just because you listen to someone doesn't indoctrinate you into their thinking. It's just like if I if I listen to a uh, Ku Klux Klan member and I listen to some speech that they're giving, doesn't make me want to join their organization. I don't want to join their organization. I don't subscribe to their organization. Okay. But under free speech, I am having to, if I choose to, listen to whatever speech they're giving. And there are certain political agendas, there are certain business agendas that I don't subscribe to. But that doesn't mean there's not space for you in that com- in the world stage, in the world community. I don't believe, you know, everybody says, you know, that, that most of the people are, you know, the big buzzword today is fascist. You know, oh my God, they're fascist, they're fascist, they're fascist. You know, and... I see, especially on college campuses, where that word's being thrown around a lot, and then when people say, well, give me your definition of fascism, and they stall. They don't, they're they're quick to throw the word out, but they're unsure of exactly what they're saying. It's just become a popular word you know, a buzz phrase that people are using, you know, when they disagree with certain things. And then I'm sitting there going, you can disagree with capitalism. 
Okay, you can say it, you know, and you want to do what um, socialism. And the reason that socialism, you're still going to have the have and have nots. You know, I don't think that any society is where there's going to always be the haves and the have nots, you know, and I don't know how young people can, and this is where I would differ in this deal, but this is where I would want to have the conversation because I want to understand why you would want a socialist agenda when in throughout history that has not really worked out very well. And then I hear, well, we want Nordic socialism. And I'm going, do you really know what Nordics? I mean, I get that you want free health care. I get that you, you know, and I understand that. And I think that's worth, I think that's worthy of, of discourse. I think it's worthy of, because he, I, I, and I will tell you why. In the, and I, I don't want, in the previous administration, okay, and I'm not saying whether it was good or bad, but I'm just saying this. My, I'm, I'm diabetic. My insulin that I was taking, that I have to take a shot, okay, um, with my insurance was about $150 a month. And, and if I had to pay for it on my own, I wouldn't have been able to pay for it on my own. There was, you know, so I was grateful to have my insurance, and I know there are many diabetics out there that have no insurance that are going untreated and dying every day. I understand that part, and I hate it. I don't like it at all. I don't think anybody should be denied medical coverage or denied medication. We can agree on that point, absolutely. Now, n- political cycle changes, new regime comes in, Guess what my, and all the old previous stuff, guess what it was done? It was erased. So my insulin went from $150 a month to $1,800 a month with the present administration. How am I supposed to go, wow, now I can't afford my insulin and arguments to me are, well, he's going to change that. Okay, well, while he's not changing that, if I didn't change my medication to a lesser medication, then how would, if I couldn't, let's say I couldn't afford any insulin. So I'm supposed to go without insulin until this person changes. But out of just pure spite, he took it off. He didn't do it because, and didn't ask, how many people are going to suffer? I'm not the only diabetic in the world or in the United States that's not suffering from losing that benefit. Why would you take that out of spite? So I could escalate this into something that, that, that I can say, well, you know, screw this administration. I don't want any part of what they're doing. Okay. I ha- and I did have to 
go to a different medication that I'm, I'm a little concerned about the side effects of. I actually had to change two medications because one that was costing me $75 a month with my insurance now would cost me $600. The other insulin pen that I was using went from uh, $150 to $1,800 per month. And that's with insurance. So we can argue the whatever all day long. But it was lower in the previous administration than the other one just out of pure spite, erased everything that the previous administration had done. And now I have to make choices about my health that could potentially harm me Absolutely. Because if I don't control my blood sugar, I can die. I can lose my sight. I can lose my legs. There's a lot of, of, of consequences to not regulating or not having the financial ability to regulate your blood sugar. And so on one side of the fence, yeah, I agree. You know, would... would, would uh, um, this type of health care, if I had free health care and I had uh, medicines provided, that um, that would make a difference in my life? Sure. If I was able to take the same level of medication that I was on, which controlled my, my blood sugar, great. But that's not reality today. And then I look at things, if you want to take that a step further, in this infrastructure bill where, what is it, 1% of the entire bill goes to actual infrastructure? You know, it's just... And so I have to live within an agenda, a political agenda, that I oftentimes... And I don't give a shit who's in the office, you know. If you're not doing what's right for, for the people, then, you know, that's a problem. Doesn't matter what side of the fence, you know. And, and uh, I've seen, that you know, so many things happen in my lifetime where, you know, I've gone through several administrations where my, my life, honestly, was not better or worse in, in some real way by who was in office. So I don't want to get off into a political journey, but these are things that, that you see people arguing over and you see very little tolerance for an opposing view. Because we all have some something like my medication, for example. So do I, if if... I subscribe to certain people's ways. Is that something where I hate that administration because of this one thing? Or in my view, what you have to do is you have to learn to roll with it. So I went in to my doctor and I said, okay, here's, here's what I got. And when he was shaking his head and going, oh my gosh, you know, 
he goes, wow, you know, I can't believe that people, my patients are going to, he said, well, I guess I'm going to be changing a lot of people's uh, medications. And so, and thank God he did. And we had to go through some, you know, some pretty rigorous uh, testing and things like that while I was changing and finding a new balance in my medication so I can control my blood sugar and I can live a normal, healthy life. And I rolled with it. I didn't lose my mind. I'm, you don't see me out there screaming and hollering and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I told you I was suffering a little bit from my cold. I'm going to sneeze again, so I'm going to stop. Hang on, guys. I'll be right back. Okay, so thanks. I did have to sneeze quite a bit that time. So anyway, it looks like I'm in West Texas, and it looks like Mars. I mean, it's just uh, the sand is blowing really bad today. Plus, I'm finally getting over this uh, cold. And uh, so I still have a little residual from that. And the dust is not helping today at all. So, okay, so like I was saying, you see so many folks, and this is where I get the tolerance, is you have a lot of people spilling out a certain narrative, for example. And if I oppose that narrative... Why can we not have a simple discourse? Or when people ask you questions, you know, I see so many young people and I'm sitting here going, why are you walking away? You know, that you're, you're being asked some questions that are hard questions. I get it. And instead of engaging in a, in a civil discourse, they either walk away or... Then the, then the profanity comes. The FUs and all the, you know, you're just a fascist, I'm not living with you. No, I'm not a fascist. I don't believe in fascism. But I think that if you ask people from around the world, there are good and bad in every governmental situation. I would imagine that you could find a lot of people who live in Nordic countries who would say, nah, I wouldn't do it this way. I know people on, I have Canadian friends and I have colleagues in, in Great Britain. And, you know, I had a friend who had to wait six months to get a tooth extracted. Six months to wait to get a tooth extracted. And, he, and if anybody knows, if you need to get a tooth extracted, uh, most times you'd beg somebody to do it because your tooth aches all the damn time. So in that moment, did they love free health care? No. When they were sitting in the chair and got the tooth extracted, they probably did were grateful because they didn't have to pay for it. But... They had to wait six months to get it. And I'm not saying that that's the norm for all the things, but there, what my point is, is there's good and bad in every situation. My thing is, is like, 
when I knew that there was going to be a new regime in the deal, I knew that we'd have to make adjustments in our lives. We would have to make adjustments in the way that, you know, if, if my taxes were going up, I need to adjust, you know, my deductions. And I need to make sure that, that I'm getting covered so that I can pay my taxes. And I get and I get enough taking out of checks or if I'm my business that I'm doing enough to make sure that I have deductions enough to cover what taxes I'm going to owe. So my point here is, is that we all, you're constantly having to make adjustments. There is never going to be a total utopian society uh, that I think a lot of people are approaching or trying to say, oh, you know, it would be so much better if we did this, so much better if we did that. Well, you know, is, am I unwilling to try free uh, universal health care? Am I willing to pay a little bit more for it? Yeah, if I get the quality of care that I get today, sure. And do I believe that everybody is afforded some health care? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. So, um, I would, uh, say, you know, that, that just, it bothers me, you know, um, that healthcare, uh, that people die every day because they can't afford medication and that's held over their head. Mothers and fathers whose children need a shot that costs $15,000 a shot. Well, how in the hell does a normal, everyday person come up with that? They don't. They don't. I mean, they, they may be able to for a time, but it's going to be for a time. And then I sit there and think about, you know, and this is where you can get into where, you know, big pharma and stuff like that. They're, they're about keeping you sick. You know, I agree. This, that, needs, that should have never been unregulated. I mean, it's regulated to a degree, but I mean, come on. I'll, I'll do a little conspiracy theory. You're going to tell me with the billions, billions of dollars given to cancer research. They don't have an actual cure for cancer. Freaking kidding me. The billions of dollars spent on AIDS and they don't have a cure? Really? That's a that's a revenue stream. And that's a that's a shitty way don't get me wrong, I'm grateful for my medicines. But I don't know how grateful I am that I'm a revenue stream. The billions of dollars spent on juvenile diabetes. The billions of dollars spent on type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And insulin has to cost what it costs? Jesus. You know, it's, it's, 
it's tough. Sorry, it gets me a little emotional because I, I, uh, I know folks that, that can't afford their medications. You know, or you have to choose. Like in my case, one of the medications that I had to choose actually has, you know, pretty bad long-term side effects. And knowing what my father went through before he passed away, you know, um, I would be a little on the, I wonder if this medication is what caused his cancer. So, because this is a a man who, uh, you know, worked in the weight equipment community, you know, he did gyms, he did, you know, he, he, this is someone who, you know, uh, worked out intently every day. So this is not an unhealthy person. So, you know, you don't know, but the fact that anyone would have to make that choice sucks through a straw. So the tolerance side of this is that that includes some acceptance of things that just are the way that it it is for now. Doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. Doesn't mean my medication is going to be too expensive for me forever. I monitor that and make sure that if it does become available or I can find it on, you know, a cheaper way that then, you know, maybe I can switch back to what was truly helping me. Now I have to do lots more to, to control that. But I have to have tolerance. I have to learn to improvise, adapt, and overcome, as Marines say. And so I would ask younger people, you know, we can completely disagree on certain things. But that doesn't mean that we can't remain, and for lack of a better word, friends. No, we're not hangout friends. And no, I don't come over to your house for dinner. And no, I don't do this. And yes, we may uh, disagree intently on certain things. But that doesn't mean that we can't, you know, it's like, I guess it's the same thing with ethnicity and, and the deal. It's how you look at someone. Everybody has some sort of, you know, there's good and bad in every race, every, uh, there's bad women, there's bad men, you know. There's bad gay people. There's bad gay women. There's just, you know, there's, there's good and bad in everything. Maybe you want to have a socialist government. Okay. Then help me understand how it's going to work. Help me understand when it fails miserably around all these different things. You, you really think that with the flesh-eating lawyers that the ultra-rich have that they're going to allow... And I get it. You know, there's only... You know, I mean, if... 
Jeff Bezos' family started spending every dime that he had as fast as they could. They couldn't even spend the interest his money draws. I understand that. I understand that. But I also understand that, you know, he started out in a garage. He started out, you know, as a little one-man show. He had a damn good idea. And he made it flourish. Same thing with Elon Musk. Same thing with, you know, every other billionaire. You know, look at Warren Buffett. Everybody loves Warren Buffett. Because he's just a regular Joe. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world. He's given away his fortune, what, twice? And went right back to being who he, who he is and who he, was and who, who he once was. He gave away and, and then, you know, gives so much money to charity. And so... He's a regular Joe. He... he he loves Dairy Queen. I'll raise my hand on Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen ice cream. I don't eat a McDonald's sandwich every morning, which he does. You know? But there's a lot of things about him that are really cool. He's a voracious reader. He's an incredibly intelligent man. Knows lots about mathematics and numbers. And that's what guys in his industry, that's... That's the, the thing that sets them apart is that they understand numbers and they can make numbers work in their head that way that they know that it's going to be successful. But he also looks at key things like the people that are involved in the, in the business. Are these good people? Are they honorable people? Are they men and women of their word? Do they have a nice corporate culture that's engaging and inviting of all who will come? So I I think he's incredibly tolerant because he has to work within environments where there's going to be things that he's not going to be tolerant of and things that he will be tolerant of and things that he's going to have to accept but the level of risk is there that he can say, okay, I, that's acceptable. So I, I would beg upon young people that whilst you're screaming all of these things and protesting all of these things, help folks to understand and those of us that want to listen, help educate us on, because you are the future. It's not too many more years for me that I'm going to be sitting, you know, hopefully with a fishing pole in the water, a beer can in my chair, and a cigar in my mouth, fishing. Because I've, over the course of my life, have, you know, earned a retirement. So I'd like to spend it fishing and mostly just hanging out with my dog and just being me, being happy.
But I want to know that if you're going to take me into a completely different direction than what I'm used to, if you don't want me going kicking and screaming, and I hear so many people say, you know, we're not going back to the way it was. Well, the way it was has worked for 400 years, right or wrong, you know, has worked for a long, 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 long time. Some good, some shitty, some uber shitty. But that's history. So if you want to evolve into something, and I, and I believe that in my heart, help me learn to be tolerant of what you're doing. Help me learn to be able to listen and not be an opposition to you. Because some of the stuff I agree with, some of the things that, that I see that, you know, yeah, we need, we need fresh air to breathe. I agree for that. But how you're going to change an entire industries and destroy jobs and destroy families in the wake of that in the name of change, now I do have a problem with that. I don't think you have to hurt somebody to change something. You know, and I will tell you young folks, because you may or may not know this. And I have talked about this and written about it before, because I do believe in, in, in climate change. I do believe that we have to be responsible in the, what we do and lower our carbon footprint. Absolutely. And I'm appalled at the amount and have, and am working on something that, that has to do with pollution and ocean trash because it's horrid, you know, horrid. I can't tell you how many, when I was living on the coast, how many sea turtles we pulled out from just the little babies that had, you know, fishing lines and had to cut fishing lines off of turtles because it's a, it's a problem. Or how many diapers were left on the beach? I mean, your kid's not, you know, and, and they're buried in the sand. I'm going, your kid's not a cat. This is not a litter box. So that I'm intolerant of. So I understand. So see, we can find common ground to find tolerance with each other. So what I, the, my point was going to be is wind farms windmills did you know inside that windmill there is right at 300 gallons of oil to lubricate the crank to spin the windmill 300 gallons of oil did you know these things tend to leak like a sieve onto the ground. What's the solution? Well, people say, you know, synthetic oil. Okay, that's great. How do they make synthetic oil? Oh, you have to refine it. Okay. And how do you refine it? Okay, it burns fossil fuels. So, hello. So the, the technology that we need is not quite there yet. But it's getting there.
tell you something else that'll piss you off. Solar farm out here in West Texas, 11,000 acres. One of the biggest around. One of the biggest in the world, I think. Was bought by a China-owned company. Why would a China-owned company want to own something that produces our electricity? When they own everything else in this country because we sell out. Am I tolerant of that? Not really. Because there's a lot of really rich men who don't give a shit. But the consequence from all of that is going to be extreme and could be extreme. So, like I said, there's good and bad in everything. And we have to learn to find that common ground to have some tolerance so together we can fix them. Am I willing to help you see your new dawn? Absolutely. But help me to help you get there. Help me to understand if I have a question and it's a hard question, don't dismiss me with fuck you. Because that's what I hear on so many, so many college campuses and so many young people. Learn to tolerate me because I'm learning to try to tolerate you as well. It's a two-way street. I want to understand. I want to be a part of the, the coming years until it's time for me to, you know, go sit down with my fishing pole. And I want to write about it. I want to illuminate people. I want to bring that out in just like I'm doing right now. So I'm inviting anyone, especially young people, who maybe see things a different way than I do, but I'm willing to to listen to you, but are you willing to listen to me? I hope so. Because I do want to see a new future. I do want to see a new dawn. I do want to see my grandchild have fun in this life and enjoy this life. I want her to be able to breathe clean air. We can agree on that for damn sure. But so many of the processes to make all of this stuff, to make a green energy, we need more solar farms. Well, how do they make solar panels? How do they make the aluminum that or the steel that goes there? None of that is... You know, is that beside your point or is that part of your point? So manufacturing processes. And then if you think other people around the world, how are we, we can lower our carbon footprint, but what happens if other countries raise theirs so that we can't compete against it? Ah, so we go back to the Paris Accords and we go back to these other things. Or maybe we find people within those countries that have like minds and say, wait a minute, what can we do? It's just like I've always said. If you're screaming about ecology, okay, you're screaming about the, the you know, garbage, pollution, and all that, when was the last time you yourself got out and picked up a pound of trash, 10 pounds of trash? 
When was the last time you stopped on the side of the road and picked up cigarette butts? So that birds didn't go fill their nests with nicotine-exposed cotton because they don't know the difference. They don't know what's going on. So we can be tolerant. That's my point. We can be tolerant with each other. We may disagree sharply on points, but that doesn't bring us, that can't not stop us from coming back to the table and saying, our goal is the same. Our path is different. So how do we crisscross our paths to get to the same common goal? These are the things that really I want to write about for now. Talk about for now. As I see everybody getting so sharply divided. And that's why I wanted to do this bonus show. So I wanted to talk about, we need to understand each other's backstory. We need to understand and be tolerant enough that we can completely disagree, but we can come to the table without the fuck yous without the walking out and say, how do we solve these common problems? You know? And what I see so much of in today's society, it's your way or the highway. There are so many cultures around the world. And we're all supposed to agree 110% of the time? No. We can't because we we grew up in different ways. You know, I see us in wars with, with countries who for centuries, not years, centuries, have believed in one way. And we're trying to to expose them to an ideology that is completely foreign and completely not even part of, of what they believe in. Yet, we're supposed to impose our will on people that have, for centuries, thought about things a certain way. We can, we can disagree <clears throat> with it, but it's worked for them for centuries. It may not be fair for women, it may not be fair for men, it may not be fair for children. There may be all kinds of shitty things that make it bad for people. So how do we come together and say, okay, for centuries these people have lived this way? We can say, and they may say, and it's like anything. When you first begin, it's gonna the the process is gonna suck because you don't have a you don't ha- you haven't mastered it yet. But did we think about for a minute what? is good about someone else and what's good about us and saying, hey, there's a common ground we can stand on. I've always said, you give me a coffee shop full of, and, and I'm just using this as, as because this is, you know, is guys, just a coffee shop of guys, okay? Or a coffee shop of women. Just a regular Joe coffee shop, not, you know, not anything big. You know what? I bet the conversation in from one country to the next is pretty much the same. There'll be some politics. There'll be some parenting. There'll be some, my boss sucks, my job sucks, you know, type of stuff. 
But regular Joes talk about regular Joe stuff. Doesn't matter where you come from, what your religious background is. I think everybody, in theory, wants the same thing a happy family, good, responsible children that grow up to be better than their mom and dad were. And basically a happy family, something where when they die, they can look back on their life and go, yeah, I did that. That was awesome. What a ride. And I'm going to prove that in some things that, that we, and you've heard me talk about. I'm going to write it. I'm, I'm working on some stuff that, you know, we, uh, you hear me talk about. I'm going to end this, this conversation with this. Is, you know, when, when the Great World War was was raging and the British and German army were, were hard at it. And they're, these are mortal enemies, you know, Germans had been bombing London and it just, you know, and so fast forward, and I'm just going to really go through this quickly at Christmas time where there was a trench on, on either side of a battlefield and the Germans were dug in, the British were dug in and as it got closer to Christmas time, the soldiers began to sing Christmas carols. Then all of a sudden, fast forward a little more, one side would finish a Christmas carol, the other side would start, and each of the sides would listen to each other. Then the no man's land that existed between them, if you raised your helmet, I promise you, you were getting your noodle shot, all of a sudden, they started getting brave and started looking over. Then guys started waving. Then guys actually came out of the trench. Guys actually walked the field of battle where thousands of young men perished. Two mortal enemies and shook hands as humans. Not necessarily friends, but as human beings of the world. You could almost say comrades in arms. These men found for a time. Now, these are grunts. These are guys. These are regular Joe guys. Not many officers hit, you know, up there. And I'm not saying that disparagingly. These are fighting men. And that's what I talk about when I talk about regular Joes. Fighting men. For a time, we're able to come together exchange souvenirs it's Christmas time exchange stories as they could it is even written that and no one can confirm it but it was written that they even played a game of soccer together and for a brief time these men stopped killing each other and actually came together in that moment I believe as friends they didn't, ideologies, all of that went out the window. These are guys who just wanted to go home to their family. Raise their kids, give their wife a kiss, embrace their family. That's all they wanted, is to be able to go home alive. That, my friends, is tolerance. That's how we come together. We may be mortal enemies, but it's how we come together 
to say, stop. We don't have to agree with each other. You know, you stay on your side of the fence, I'll stay on mine. You mind your business, I'll mind mine. But that's tolerance. And I'm going to write a lot about that. Because there needs to be more tolerance in this world. All right, guys. I hope that these bonus, I'm going to do some more of these. And I hope you find them fun and interesting, a little thought-provoking. And really what I'm trying to do is say, think about this for a minute. Think about how you, you solve a problem. You don't solve a problem going, fuck you. You know what fuck you gets you? Fuck you. <laughs> you know, if you come in screaming at me and go, fuck you, I'm going to go, well, fuck you too. It solves nothing. Nothing. So let's try to solve something. Let's try to say, you know, you can, you can live your life with, with dignity and honor and all the things that you, that you want. Let me live my life with dignity, honor, and the things that I want. And together, let's learn how to live in some semblance of peace and harmony. I don't think that's asking too much of anyone. So if I'm willing to try, maybe you are too. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you made it all the way through, God bless you. And if you want to learn more about the show, learn more about me, read my articles. My books are on Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble, all kinds of places. You can find them all online. And let's see, what else was I going to say? Oh, and you can go to my website, robertbruton.com. There you can communicate with me. Um, Send me emails, send me show suggestions, uh, send me questions, send me your thoughts, you know, uh, whatever. I'm always always there, I'm always listening, and I always enjoy. Um, Heck, that's it, man. All right. I love you guys. Take care. Think. Think. Do not let there be divide. Okay? Do not let there be divide. There doesn't have to be. All right. Love you guys. This is Robert Bruton with the Robert Bruton Podcast Show. Bye for now.